Hey, this is Dr. Shervin. Muskoka Magazine is brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com. This is the state of real estate in Muskoka. Welcome to the state of real estate in Muskoka. I'm your host, Jerry Lantane. This is a program that takes a look at the state of real estate in Muskoka. We feature helpful interviews with industry professionals, talk about local housing statistics, and offer tips for buyers and sellers of property in Muskoka. First thing we'll do is give you the stats. Indeed, that is me, Jerry Lantane, and this is the State of Real Estate. Thanks for tuning in. We're going to start with the market report today. And that market report is brought to you by the Lakelands Association of Realtors. But first, I should explain who our guest is today. Uh, it is Steve Bowman, home inspector. We've had him on before. Uh, we're going to talk about the inside of the houses today. All right, let's get on with the market report. The average sale price is up by 6.9%, which is quite interesting as people you know, perceived prices are coming down. But here in Muskoka, the average price is uh, going, has gone up from last July to this July by 6.9%. The big lake cottages, uh, you know, have a lot of play in those numbers as well, not just the average home on the, on a street. Uh, but that's a plus for sellers. New listings are up by 41.8%. Uh, it's almost double. And that is a major plus for buyers. That just means there are more listings this July than there were last July. Total inventory of homes for sale is also up, and it's up by 45.7%. Last July, there were 567 homes for sale. This July, there's 862 homes for sale. So, you know, not quite double, but pretty darn close. And that, too, is a plus for buyers. There's just more out there for them to look at. And um, actual sales. Actual sales, however, are down by 4.8%. Last July, 124 homes sold in Muskoka. This July, 118 homes sold. So six homes less. Um, and that is a plus for buyers just in, in terms of the fact that, you know, there's less people buying right now. Um, the percentage of the original price, that is up by 4% from last July to this July. Uh, this July, on average, sellers were getting nine point, or sorry, ninety-five point one percent of their asking price, and that's a plus for sellers because they're still getting, you know, quite close to their asking price. Uh, average days on the market is up by thirty-one percent. Last July, it took on average twenty-nine days to sell a home in Muskoka. This July, it took thirty-eight days to do the same thing. That is also a plus for buyers. So, as it looks from my point of view. The market is slowly swinging from a seller's market to a buyer's market. Right now, it's pretty neutral, but recent interest hikes have decreased the buyer pool. So if you are buying right now, you are in a better position than you were last July. That's the market report. Thank you. All right. Well, that was the market report for this uh, week. And we are back with our guest, as said earlier, Mr. Steve Bowman, home inspector. Steve, can you give people your business contact, please? Yeah, certainly. Well, the easiest way to find me, uh, the name of my business is Top to Bottom Home and Property Inspections. That's a bit of a mouthful, but if you <laughs> if you search for me under home inspector in Muskoka or anything similar like that, Google knows exactly how to find me. 
And uh, so I'm quite easy to find because I've been around for a while. Perfect. That's great. Well, um, today we are going to talk about home inspections again with Steve, and we're going to talk about the inside of the home, because last time we started with the outside of the home. And like the name of your business, why don't we just stop, start from the top to yeah. the bottom? That's, so Sounds good. All right. Now, when we uh, are going to do a home inspection, I've just bought a new house. I want to get a home inspection. Uh, on the inside of the house, what do we have to worry about in the sort of upper portions of the house attic area? Well, the attic area is one of those places that's not always easy to get into, but uh, usually I'm able to. And of course, um, you can find some interesting things going on there, whether there's proper ventilation, whether it happens to be former leaks, sometimes even a previous fire in the building, oh, things like that. Right. Yeah, uh, that happens. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the other thing is, of course, we want to look for things like uh, vents from bathrooms or other areas that are being vented into the attic that shouldn't be, that need to be vented outside. Okay. Laundry even? Yeah. Like it it happens, but usually it's bathroom vents, that sort of thing. The other thing we'll look for is clearances with newly installed chimneys for wood stoves or something like that as well. Clearances away from uh, wood pieces or something? Yeah. They need to have a two inch clearance. Okay. Yeah. So we'll check and make sure that the... uh, well, I say up to up to code, but I mean code's not retroactive. But it's always nice to upgrade your your insulation as well. So yeah. I'll I'll make note of that and tell you what you do have and maybe recommendations on how to upgrade that if you need to or want to. Okay, um, how often do you find mold in attics, and and where would it appear? Well, mold can occur in attics when you don't have good ventilation, or if you have things like the bathroom vent going into the attic, obviously putting humid, wet sort of air into that area, which isn't good. It gets trapped. So I do see it. Uh, I don't get too upset about it or or bent out of shape about that sort of thing, unless there's a lot of it and it's really attacking the wood and that sort of thing, because you don't live in the attic. What I really want to do is focus on, let's, let's stop it from getting any worse. Okay. Yeah. Cause usually it's, it's a, something that you can deal with. It's not a, it's not like something's going to affect your health because they say you don't live in the attic. It's closed up. Air always rises no matter what time of the year. And so it's pretty rare for that to affect anybody in the living space. Okay. And then what about uh, in older homes? Um, just as a real estate agent, I know that I'm supposed to look out for possible vermiculite. What is vermiculite and why do we have to worry about that? Well, vermiculite is a, type of insulation that was used to um, help fill in some of the voids on a regular bat type insulation, which was usually fiberglass. There's nothing wrong with vermiculite as as far as its uh, properties as being a good insulator. And of course there is the, it's a, I would find that there's less than 10% chance that it might have asbestos. Right. And of course that's not a big concern unless you're going to renovate it. Like if you're going to put new ceiling lights in, in the upper floor and that sort of thing, then yeah, because you, an electrician doesn't want to be going in there and working if there is asbestos there and breathing that in and causing a health problem. Mm-hmm. And so the only way to be sure is to have it tested by a laboratory. Right. Now, uh, probably not your sort of area of expertise, but what would you recommend if it was uh, uh, asbestos type? Well, first of all, as I said, it depends if you're going to renovate. If you're not going to renovate, it's not really an issue. Again, you don't live in the attic and mm-hmm. you're not going to be disturbing it. So it can't hurt you when it's up there. Okay. It's only when it gets disturbed that it can hurt you. All right. Well, if I was doing a reno, um, 
Well, you just would definitely vacuum it all out. No, you'd have to bring in a uh, somebody to remediate that. Ah. Somebody with proper equipment and HEPA right. filters and that, because you don't want to be you don't want to be dispersing all that asbestos fiber into the neighborhood. Okay. And so that's the other issue. So it's got to be contained. Okay. So it ends up costing the. Uh, it can be expensive. Okay. But fortunately, as I said, uh, realistically, less than ten percent would ever have asbestos. Okay. So now. Um, once we're sort of out of the attic area or well, um, what other problems are, are possible up there? Well, the most common ones for the attic is the attic hatch itself isn't sealed up properly and it's not insulated properly. So then you're getting more moist air coming from the living space into the attic. Mm-hmm. And of course you're also losing energy, heat, that sort of thing. So yep. it's costing you money. That's one of the common things and it's easy to fix. Okay. If a house doesn't have proper ventilation up in the attic, Mm-hmm. Uh, is that how hard is that to remedy? Well, on an older house, especially a one and a half story house, it's yeah. very difficult because oh. you have that. It's only one and a half story, as you know. So you've got you've got part of the the roof is the ceiling of oh, the some of the rooms. Yeah, some of the rooms at the or the sidewall, and so it's very difficult to get air up from the soffit or the eaves into the attic on those old houses. So hmm. you kind of have to live with it. Wow, and. Uh, it's usually not a big problem on those older houses. The biggest thing about um, attic ventilation is it proper ventilation stops ice damming from occurring in the wintertime on your roof. Okay. Yeah. That's the biggest reason for it. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. That's funny. You wouldn't think it would affect that heavily, but it, I guess it would, right? It, it really does because what it does is it, it, it causes, when you don't have the proper ventilation, you have a warm underside of your roof, which melts the snow the snow melts, turns into water, drips down to the eave where there is no warmth at the at the eave because it's out over the open air. It freezes and eventually it causes a nice dam buildup. Which can do a lot of damage. Well, it can. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, um, and I probably should ask you first, I just thought top to bottom, we might as well start at the top. But when you do an interior uh, inspection of the home, what is your checklist? Well, my checklist is uh, basically attic, and all the interior, the electrical, the plumbing, the heating, the air conditioning, any type of ventilation, whether it's for the kitchen, the bathrooms, the laundry, and of course, uh, the basement and check out the foundation from the inside. Yeah. So it's basically all of the operational utilities of the, of the house, as well as the structure of the house, you know, windows, doors, flooring. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's a long, it's a long list, but um, I've, I have a routine and cause I've been doing this for almost 17 years, you get Excellent. into a routine and you yep. get very efficient at it. Okay. Well, let's just go down your list then. Um, starting with electricity. Uh, what are the different things you're looking for about electricity? Certainly not just the panel. Well, the main things that we want to look for, especially in an older house, uh, would be whether it had knob and tube wiring in it. Okay. So that's a, that's the extreme to the to the older. And then back in the seventies, we had a lot of aluminum being used. Aluminum's not dangerous, but it has to be handled properly, and terminations have to be upgraded so that it can't be a problem. What would be a problem if a house was aluminum? Because I've heard people always, when we're looking at homes with inspectors, oh, is aluminum? Yeah. What's well, the problem? It's not, it's not like run for the hills sort of thing. <laughs> and it's, run away from the house? No, okay. you don't have to, but it does cost a little bit of money to have an electrician come in and, and terminate wherever the aluminum is connected to a device or anything where it has to have a screw or some sort of connector put oh. to it. That's the important part because aluminum 
heats up and cools down with drastic change in size. And so that causes these connections to become loose and then you get sparks. Oh, okay. So it's not like people think, oh, it's aluminum. Aluminum is going to melt in the middle of the wall. No, that's not really what, that's okay. not what happens. All right. Yeah. Well, we are getting quite close to the uh, middle of our show where we have to stop for some breaks. So I think we'll do that and we'll be back with Mr. Steve Bowman quite shortly. Thank you very much. Hey, this is Dr. Shervin. Muskoka Magazine is brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com. This is the state of real estate in Muskoka. Okay, we are back with Mr. Steve Bowman from top to bottom. Home inspections? Is that correct? Well, that's the short term. That's the easiest way to remember me. <laughs> it is a long name, but yes, there's a reason for that. But that we'll we'll talk about that another time. Right on. Okay. Um, and we, we were just uh, finishing off talking about uh, electricity. Um, what would be a concern about electric panels that's really common that people make mistakes about? Well, the biggest one is people get all upset about having a fuse panel rather than a breaker panel. Fuse panels are not dangerous if they're installed properly and they're complete. The biggest issue is people put too large of a fuse in for the circuit that's designed for it. Okay. And of course that can be a fire hazard and it's because it overheats. Yeah. Because okay. it overheats because the, the conductor is not designed to carry that load. The um, easy way that you can buy them at the hardware store or you can have an electrician install them, which is the proper thing to do. And they're called fuse rejectors or just little tiny plastic donuts that limit the size of the fuse that you can put in that, in that opening. So it's, it's foolproof once they're installed. Okay. The other thing is, is people adding circuits to their panel and the panel is already full. And of course, then they're doubling up on the connections, putting more than one uh, wire on the same connection, okay. which isn't allowed. There's only one place where it's allowed. And that's if you have a square D panel with those breakers, they're designed to take two connect two connections at each terminal. Interesting. Yeah. I'd yeah. never do that in my own house, I tell you. Yes. I don't want to get electrocuted myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so we've now moved into plumbing. What what issues do you need to look for, think about, consider? Well, it's rare up here, but some people talk about the word Kitech. It was a type of plastic I've heard of it. plumbing that tends to fail, and it's because the connectors were not designed very well, and so it would fail and leak. It's not common up here. I've only come across it a couple of times in all the years I've been doing this. Okay. Uh, and then the other thing maybe is older cast iron drainage systems that are starting to corrode, especially when they go through a concrete or, or old rubble stone basement wall. They, they, you know, they're usually a hundred years old, so it's time to replace them. Yep. Those are the, those are the big things. The other things is, you know, sometimes a do it yourselfers just done a few things they shouldn't have and you don't have good drainage because they didn't know how to do it properly. They didn't take out a permit. And, you know, that kind of stuff. But most of the time it's just watch out for corrosion and that sort of thing where different, two different metals happen to be in contact with each other and they don't like each other. They don't get along and they, and it causes corrosion. What, what two metals might do Well, that? copper doesn't like being up against any other metal. Okay. It, it likes to be just, it just it likes to be Free. in the copper family. It doesn't <laughs> like, to, <laughs> doesn't like to, to join in any other okay. metals at all. It does not get along with Didn't it. Didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so we're going to move out of plumbing, which I, I mean, you know, obvious leaks and stuff 
yeah. looking in ceilings and looking for any leaks, mm-hmm. um, to heating and air. Heating and or air conditioning. two separate issues. Well, no, we call it HVAC, heating, ventilation, and air conditioning. We, we group it all into one. But I mean, that's a big subject as well. Well, they're all big subjects. We couldn't cover everything today. Um, really, the big issue is whether you have an older system that's tired and worn out and, and time to be replaced. Or you might have a system that might have some leakage and uh, I'll check for flammable gas leaks or the other big one is carbon monoxide. I'll check with my tester to see if there's any leakage there and that sort of thing. So we just want to make sure it's a safe environment. How do you gauge the performance of an older furnace that might be in great, excellent working condition, but it's older? Well, well, the thing is, it depends on what the fuel is. Uh, An older oil furnace, they can last for a long time. They're well-built. Oil is not corrosive, and so they tend to they tend mm-hmm. to just hang in there and, and work really well. But oil is expensive, and insurance companies sometimes shy away from them as well, just yeah. because of oil spills. Natural gas and, and propane: the newer the furnace and the more energy efficient, the shorter the lifespan of that furnace. And it's wow. because the condensate. If you know, you may not know what that means, but the the furnaces use the condensation to reclaim some of the heat. And that's why you have these little tubes coming out of them, usually kind of a white plastic tube that comes out of the furnace to drain away that condensate. Well, that condensate is acidic and it tends to eat away at the furnace from the inside out. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So that's the price you pay for high efficiency. It's a shorter lifespan on the furnace. What's what's the trade off? Is it high? Is it worth the money for the efficiency you're going to save in the end or well, should you just I, get an old I, crappy one? I, I, <laughs> Well, it, it's um, the thing is, all the furnaces now are high efficiency. Right. So you're you're kind of stuck. I've yeah. never done the calculation because you know most people wouldn't worry about it because you know I've got no choice. Yeah. All that is available is yeah. high efficiency. Now, what it is like buying a car though? If you go to buy a furnace, there's lots of levels of quality and price tags to go along with that. Right. 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 Yeah. Okay. Um, air conditioning. Usually they're, I mean, not usually, uh, uh, well, central air is tied into the furnace. Right. Uh, and then there's two or three other types of air well, conditioning. Well, yeah. Well, the big thing is, is the central air one that is tied into the furnace. They may not be the same age. It could, sometimes the furnace is upgraded and the air conditioning isn't. And it's, an, so the AC is an older unit. And sometimes it's the opposite where the, where they've added AC to an older furnace. So really I want to check and see what kind of performance we're getting there. And I'll just check to see what the temperature is at the, at the returns. So that's your warm air going to the furnace and then check the temperature at the supply, which is your cool air coming from the furnace. And there's a differential that we need. We want to see at least a seven degree Celsius difference. In terms of? So that we know that 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 AC oh, right away. is working. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. The difference between the warm air going in and the cool air coming out, we want to see a good differential there. Okay. Yeah. Um, the, what about heat pumps themselves? I mean, cause I, to me, wrongly, I, I, I consider those air conditioners, not heaters. Uh, what things might you have to look out in terms of whether it's for heat or air conditioning, uh, about heat pumps, what would be stuff that needs to be addressed? Yeah. Well, that's again, a big a, a big That's thing. A that, yeah, it's a big whole topic, <laughs> but really they're getting to be more common. Yes. And in fact, the little split systems that you might see that are where there's a unit on the wall in a room. High, mounted up high above yeah, windows or doors. Yeah. Those technically are an air to air heat pump. Yeah. And uh, they work like an air conditioner, but they also um, do heating as well. Now, some of them have a little electrical backup heating, but some of them actually pull, pull heat from the air. 
Okay. So they, and the newer they are, they're, they're surprisingly efficient and do a hmm. good job. And a nice, a nice way to add some extra heat or air conditioning to an older home where you don't have the ductwork. Mm -hmm. where you might have uh, electric baseboards or, or whatever. From a home inspector's point of view, um, we're buying a home. There's one of those already in it. Is there anything to be concerned about when you see a heat pump in terms no. of what could go wrong with them? Well, they're like anything. They have a, they have a lifespan, but I mean, they're, they're quite efficient and, is, and usually rarely does anyone install them on their own. They usually have a professional installer. Right. So, so there's not much problems unless it's a really, really old unit. And, right. But, uh, it's for the most part, they're, they're usually not a problem. Okay. Um, we're getting close to our timeline. We've got about two and a half minutes left. Um, let's quickly touch on vents. You mentioned is that you're just, well, we're, you're taught, you're thinking like, uh, say a hood, hood okay. vent for the range okay. or the, or the laundry or the bathrooms on and on and on. The thing is, we want to see them go outside if yep. at all possible. Yep. Now, the other thing that we could throw in there is the HRV and some people, HRV, right. what is that? Uh, it's not a car. It's a, it's a heat recovery ventilation system. Okay. And that can do the same thing as your, as your ventilation fans. Okay. But it, it's usually tied into the, into the central heating and air conditioning unit and helps recycle air. It, it can be very efficient, but people forget about them. They're kind of out of sight, out of mind. And quite often what happens there is they're using them in the summertime as a, as a air circulation system. And they shouldn't be because you're sucking warm, humid air into the house right. that you don't want. Yes. Now used properly, they do work well, but they need to be cleaned at least once a year. And people often forget about the inlet outside on the wall that's sucking fresh air in. Right. And it's totally plugged up because they've never cleaned it. Right. Yeah, that's a common thing that I see. But the other thing is, is just to make sure that all your ventilation systems are going where they need to be and they're being used properly. That's the big thing. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know what? We just ran out of time. I'm going to say thank you very much, Steve. Um, we still have foundations to talk about. So uh, this let, lets us have room for a, yet another episode together in the future. Uh, Steve, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. You take care. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The tip of the week this week is about your basement windows. On those warm, beautiful, hot, steamy, humid summer days, unless you have some kind of ventilation down there, fans moving or air conditioning or something, you do not want to have your windows open. You do not want to invite that moist, wet air into your home, especially in your basement. So close those windows on the hot, humid days. That's the tip of the week. All right. Take care, everyone. Over and out.